because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friends. Step out of that shit like a homeless man trying to change his life. We do it so fresh. And we do what the fuck we want to the Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support the Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of the Green Room, Sean Green. All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com in the beautiful Silver Lake Studios, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. Make sure you head over there, check out live streaming stand-up comedy 24-7. You can get there. You can listen to their uh, all that, uh, all that uh, great streaming stand-up comedy on the iHeartRadio app. I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's shaking, man? Peace be with you, Sean. All right, appreciate that. I like that Easter theme. Yep. And uh, we got our own personal savior in studio, Mr. Josh Adam Myers. Josh, what's going on, man? Happy Pesach. And now, uh, what is that? You. Is that the? Uh, is that Passover? Yeah, man, Passover. I think starts tomorrow. At least that's what my mom says. Are you uh, Passover? Or Palm Sunday was last Sunday, and then uh, oh, it's pa- I don't know. Tomorrow's Good Friday. I, I, tomorrow, I think is Passover because I'm going to a dinner at my cousin's house. Oh, okay. And then uh, my mom's been bugging me, asking me where I'm going to be eating uh, Passover dinner at. She's uh, she's busting your chops about that. Were you religious growing up, Josh? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I went to Hebrew school, but I was a bad kid, so I got kicked out. <laughs> uh, I never was bar mitzvahed, so I'm not really a man. Wow. Okay, that explains a lot. So you're just <laughs> a rogue. Oh, jeez. Like, no, I'm just kidding. You can look at another, another, another man. Cigarette smell and the deep voice and the beard. It's like you can look like one Jew can look at another man and be like, oh, God, you were never bar mitzvahed. How'd you know? <laughs> now, I, could, I, I could sense it. There's a uh, certain level of shame that uh, comes with uh, not being bar mitzvahed. I don't, I, I'll get it done one day. I'm going to get it done. I, I told myself that. It's not that really hard. You can do it at any age. You don't have to be 13. But do you have to I just have want a the party? Money. What's that? Do you have to have a party? You, I mean, that's the whole point of having it. Now, why? I mean, now, so were your parents religious at all growing up? Uh, no. My dad kind of was and my sister was, but me and my mom uh, really weren't that into it. I mean, we were really lazy. You know? If you went to Hebrew what, school, that must have been well, I, that's I, your dad, I guess. Yeah, I think it's just because like, that's what my dad did. And they're, you know, a lot of the Jews, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know that. I mean, I went to Hebrew school. I was never bar mitzvahed. And I think it was just because I was afraid of getting up there and trying to do Hebrew. I don't know why that really? made me, yeah, just for some reason. Because it was so hard for me to learn the language. Um, but so it was kind of your call not to have the bar mitzvah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It was just, I just didn't feel like doing it. I, for some reason, when I, it was just scared me. Huh. Go up there and just and just because they teach you the whole thing that you're supposed to read. I'm pretty sure. See, I really don't know. I, you know, what's funny is that like I never was bar mitzvah, but I've DJed like at least a thousand bar mitzvahs. Wow! In now, how is that a, as DJ? Is that a good gig? Uh, it's not. It's like it becomes any job. You know what I mean? Like any job gets boring. The only thing that really right. kept it lively was just that it was always different people. Right. You know, so you're always hanging out with different families and everybody's in a good mood and they're all drinking and there's, you know, there's a lot of money being thrown around and there's good food everywhere. So it wasn't horrible. I, I DJ started DJing bar mitzvahs and then I was like, I want to be a wedding DJ. I can't even handle it because like the D.C. and Baltimore area Jews are just like they have a lot of money and they're really particular. And it's you're dealing with like 13 year old kids that are like. <laughs> Like, you remember what you were like when you were 13? Was like, it, yeah. Is it uncomfortable having a 13-year-old boss you around? No, no, no. They, well, I've, I've never really been bossed around by the kids. It's just the parents. I mean, oh, you get what? kids that give you attitude, but, you know, right. when nobody's looking, like, you can pull them aside and you can be like, dude, you're fucking this up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you yeah. chill the fuck out and play Coke and Pepsi. Now, was there a just be like, whoa, he's, he said fuck, he's cool. All right, no, I'll I, listen to you. <laughs> I remember one time I, I was, because I, I used to do it so hungover, because that was like, when I first started doing it, like, I just, if they ever gave me the magic words, which was, drink as much as you want, have a drink, <laughs> your family here, you know what I mean? Just do whatever you want and just have fun. 
And and that would just open up the floodgates for me to get hammered. And so I, there were a lot of bar mitzvahs that I first started doing. That. I mean, I got, I got wasted. You're blackout drunk. The kids are like, you already played the hokey pokey. Well, I'm going to play it one more time, all right? And I want to see some enthusiasm this time, for Christ's sake. I got my bow tie off by the end of it. The jacket's off. I'm sweating. I'm just like... Talking to some of the older girls at the party. I've done hey. that. <laughs> now, was there, was there any kind of... I mean... I uh, I grew up Catholic, so I didn't go to a ton of bar mitzvahs. But it seemed like, hey, 13 years old, there's going to be some party, kids maybe sneaking some alcohol, any kind of crazy stories as a bar mitzvah DJ? Not really, to be honest. It never really got out of hand. I mean, the company that I worked for was, like, super religious. Like, it was really weird. Like, when I, I, I stumbled into this job, I was at... Uh, it was my, my second place I went to college was Montgomery College. It was this little community college after I dropped out of the first school. And I was sitting in between classes smoking a cigarette, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, um, I start talking to him, and he says, wow, you're really, you know, you're really personable. You got good personality. You ever thought about being a DJ? And I just kind of stumbled into it. And, you know, for the first, I was probably 20 years old. I hadn't started drinking yet, and, and just, I didn't even... It was just horrible, man. It was just such a, it was such a weird experience. Just, I love how you're just looking back. It was before I even started drinking, yeah, man. It was like, horrible. Oh, no, no, no. I was Sounds like you got thrown into being a rock star or something. Uh, I, I mean, I got pussy out of it. Like, there were, you get some, some groupies at shows, but it was more like, wow. cause I did bar mitzvahs. I started doing those, and then I started doing weddings. And like I said, the bosses were like super, super religious. So like a lot of the music we could play, like they wanted the whole thing to be like clean cut entertainment. Like that's yeah. our policy at Old Family DJs. Fun. Wait, what was exactly. the name of the company? Ultrasound DJs. You can look them up. <laughs> they're great. I, I, I love those. That things. is funny, Ultrasound, because that it's I get what they're going for. Like oh, it's sound, but it's ultra. But then I just immediately have that you know that uh, the tool they use to check out a baby, like Ultrasound DJs, where they're coming up like, hey, my baby, we're playing you some songs with our Ultrasound. <laughs> DJ 2000. And there was a lot of hoopla about that, about because people would Google the name. Oh, okay. They, they would just get confusing with the ultrasound. But they, uh, the two owners were these two Greek guys that both lived with their parents, and they were in their 40s. <laughs> wow. 40 and 50s. <laughs> and they lived with their parents, and they were super religious. Like, I'd get into conversations with them. Uh, just about like random stuff, and it would always come back to them like discrediting evolution. <laughs> like, always, like it was always constantly like them going back and saying something bad. I mean, they were, they well, were... And, and the evolution argument. Like, okay, I don't, you know, I, I can't explain where we came from exactly, and to believe in a high, higher power, that's, you know, that's totally fine. I have, I have no beef against that. It makes just as much sense as total randomness. But it, it's funny when you, when you talk about evolution and then people start taking it as a personal insult, like, hey, man. All I know is I didn't come from no monkey. It's like no, no, it's not. It's not you or anyone you're related to. We're talking about billions upon billions of years. We slowly gained consciousness. Well, yeah. Then why are there still monkeys? Well, yeah. There's different species and yeah, different. That, that illustrates when someone says that argument. It's like they clearly don't understand how evolution <laughs> works. Like no, we didn't come from like the monkeys that are here now. And then they're like, oh yeah. Well, how do you know that? And then and then and then they got me on that. To be honest, I don't know that. But the way I tackle things when it comes to science, I believe in scientists. When scientists say stuff like, we found all these old bones, this is kind of what we look like, and then you go to the zoo, you see a chimp, and you're like, okay, I see the hands, similar fingernails, all right, I buy it. Yeah, but I, I don't understand the total, complete throwing out the idea of evolution. I mean, even if we were, at least we were some sort of hybrid, to believe we haven't changed. I mean, just even since like the early 1900s, we become much taller, much... I mean, you've seen even in like the past couple uh, hundreds of years, we've changed. Look yeah. at Blake Griffin. Yeah, I mean, he's exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, that guy's superhuman. Did you watch the game last night? Uh, the Clippers Lakers. I did see it. Yeah, man, he dunked on Pau Gasol. It was rarely do you feel sorry for a professional athlete, but Pau Gasol just got humiliated a couple times. He just got dunked on super hard. Blake is a very interesting player to watch because he's so weird looking. Yeah, you don't he know is. If he's, he's white if he's black or if he's yeah, he's just one of these. He's like, yeah. what is he? But he's just, he's a fucking animal, man. It's just so impressive to watch somebody like that. Like he would, he would have made a great slave. He's, a, <laughs> he's an American. We're gonna be. That's actually be our own race. That's somewhere. actually his slogan on his apparel. I would be a great slave, Blake Griffin. Instead, I'm a slave to rebounding and power dunks. No. Times they have changed. 
Okay, so what? Um, all right, let's let's bring it back a little bit. Sure. So you grew up in the Maryland area, right? I grew up uh, in between Washington D.C. and Baltimore. So I was born in this place called Germantown, Maryland. Um, okay, it was the suburbs of basically D.C. and Baltimore, but it's closer to D.C. Um, yeah, and I, then I moved to Baltimore when I got pretty when I was like probably like ten. And lived okay. there the rest of my life. And you lived in Baltimore City, like Baltimore yeah. proper? Like I lived uh, like South Baltimore. Okay, uh, now what's as, – and I've seen The Wire. I'm sure you get that a lot. But like what's what's South Baltimore? What kind of neighborhood are we talking? It's not bad. Baltimore is not like a horrible town. Like it's it's got a lot of bad areas and on a lot of streets that will start nice, they'll end bad. There's always like a little bad area around you. But it's it's really – yeah, I mean, I went to the uh, I went to the Inner Harbor for a, a field trip back in eighth grade. Sure. Yeah, went there, checked it out. Seemed nice. Seemed like a nice area. I know people go hang out down that area. It seemed nice. Like I don't know the landscape of Baltimore at all. Did you wait when you were in Baltimore? Did you also go to Washington D.C.? No, we didn't. We just for some whatever reason our school field trip was just to Baltimore. I mean, in hindsight, why not hit D.C. as well? But well, You're coming from Philly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from, like, north to, of Philadelphia, yeah. Why would they just go to Baltimore? I have DC no idea. So they were much, weird. There was so just more to learn in Washington, D.C., <laughs> dude. <laughs> nope. They wanted to check out the Inner Harbor. We went to uh, – what? what's the – What's the big attraction there? The um, aquarium, right? There's aquarium. Sure, yeah, yeah went the to the aquarium. aquarium. I remember the big thing on the bus was, all right, we're gonna let you go wherever you want to go for lunch, but you cannot go to Hooters. So immediately that we were like, whoa, there's a Hooters down here. So we all went down there and got like Hooters t-shirts just to be kind of rebels. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but in hindsight, going to Hooters is just it's a it's a bad time for everyone. The uh, <laughs> crappy wings where you were, which is in the Inner Harbor, because that's like where all those little stores are, and the Hooters is. Um, there's a place called the Fudgery, which is like this place they make fudge, and like the whole thing about it is that it's an open, open like bakery. So like the people making the fudge, you right. can see them, and they always sing. It's just black people singing, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's really, it's like not to get too racial, but it's really just slavery, like but up to date and well, not, well, the, well, they'll, they'll call fudge. out the audience, like okay, you say this when I say this. What well, do they have? Like their little like yeah. hymns, yeah, you old, know, all have, like, the work spiritual yeah. songs. You're like, yeah. Gonna make and make and fudge, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> gonna mm, and, and uh, Cisco from the Thong Song fame started there, and that's wow. how he got Whoa, discovered. It's a fudgery, and he was. <laughs> He was slaving away, making fudge. They have one of those in Dallas, but they don't sing. They do, that is, they do I, I would, I would. Uh, so wait, there was a talent exec that was just on a trip and just heard Cisco. It was <laughs> I, like, I think so. I don't know the logistics of how that happened, but <laughs> I'd love to just see him. Like, oh, he's like singing the thong song to the fudge. Like, I love it when the fudge goes da da da. It's like, wait, there's something there. There's a hook. Get that black guy with Did the blonde he? hair over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's like, out already. Looks like he got beat with a bottle of uh, hydrogen. Peroxide. Um, okay, so you kind of grew up, now. It, it's a city, but it, you said it's like a pretty pretty solid neighborhood. It's. It, I grew. Up, I didn't grow up in a bad neighborhood. I mean, uh, I was never messed with once, like growing up in Baltimore or in or in the Germantown area. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not until I've gotten out to L.A. that I've actually been like mugged and shot okay. at. And, Whoa! All right. So okay. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll Let's we'll get back to we'll get back to how you got into L.A. But uh, what kind of what kind of run-ins did you have out here in Los Angeles? Out here, uh, I've had my car broken into, but I had a jeep with the time, and the, you couldn't lock the door, so people would just go in. So oh they yeah, stole like my cologne out of it. I, it was like a cheap, oh. it was like curve. <laughs> you know, it was a shit that you get it like Ross. You know what I mean? Right. Like curve. Like it's so that I is that, that is funny. Like looking back, like I had a I had a car that got broken into, and they took my big. You know, CD, uh, you know, you get that big CD booklet that you flip through with all these, like, mixed CDs. And, then, uh, you know, at the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. I'm devastated. But now you're just picturing this is sitting in some <laughs> piece of crap basement and just, like, taking up dust. Because I'm sure you couldn't have sold the CDs. Well, if it was a black guy stealing it, he probably saw your CDs. He'd be like, what? It's all, like, Jethro Tull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, a, like, big, he, he's yeah. a big fish fan. You know, he's got slaughter in there. And, like, all right. So you got your car broken into. What else kind of happened? I got my car broken into. Uh, that was uh, probably two years in uh, living here. Uh, I've been shot at. Now that's crazy. I haven't heard that. I've heard people. I heard one dude got stabbed. I know out in Los Angeles. But now, how'd you how'd you get shot at? What part of town are we talking? I was on the corner of Franklin and Beachwood. You know where that is? It's like in like the, right at the beginning of the Hollywood Hills. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's not like close, a. It's close to like it's like right above. It's like right next to Vine. To so that's like a. It's a nice sort area. Of a nice it's, area. Yeah, it is not sort of. It is a nice area. It's it's 
You know, but it's right like, next to Hollywood. Or it's right. But it's Hollywood. not. But it's. But it's like what's weird is it's, it's like not, right over by the UCB. It's. A, it's a generally it's right next pretty to solid, UCB, nice yeah. area. Okay. So now what happens? On I um. It was like three in the morning, and I went to go buy cigarettes at this Arco. They're the seventy six they have there on the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put my headphones on, and I walk down from my apartment off of Beachwood, and I buy cigarettes. And as I come back up the hill. Uh, there's a car parked and some guys inside and they say something to me but I just kind of like ignore it because it's three in the morning you right. know, I got my headphones on like they saw it can only be trouble on. yeah well not even just tr- I mean they were probably I thought they were asking for directions but I just didn't <laughs> want to stop I was just it was three in the morning man you're in the you just, zone yeah, you're just like I'm listening to my music I don't want to turn it off <laughs> and I probably walked about 50 yards up the street and then the car pulls up and the window rolls down, and it's a cholo, like a like a vato looking guy with a bald head and the goatee and the fucking tank top. And he says something to me, um, which I assume is something like, you know, like break yourself, nigga, break yourself. And I'm screaming, but I because I see the gun, but I, I don't hear what he's saying because I have my headphones on and I'm listening to music. And he pulls the gun out, and then I just take off, and then I see the the flash as I take off, and like I, by that point I just ran and hid. Because I like there was like right Damn. between these apartment buildings, and then he drove off. That's and insane. And the bullet went by me. But um, this is no bullshit. The car they were driving in was a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> I swear uh, to God, it was a that is, Wait, so a cholo Metallic. in a Prius on a random act of violence, random kind of drive-by shooting. Uh-huh. What are the odds of that? It, uh, that sounds insane. Cops said it was a uh, it was a gang initiation, and it was probably a stolen car. Because, okay, because it was it's quiet. You know what I mean? They can yeah, sneak up. Yeah. They completely snuck up on me. Music or not, you really can't hear Priuses whatsoever. And so yeah. it is kind of creepy at night. Like you almost feel like a Prius is stalking you. Like <laughs> I'll be walking my dog around the neighborhood, and you just hear this like slow creep. Like you just hear the it's tire just rolling on the ground. You yeah, you don't hear the engine going or mm-hmm. anything. And so uh, they they thought it was just some random gang random violence. Now, did you? F- did you feel any of the shots get close to you, do you or do you think he was just kind of trying to scare you or uh I mean if I would have stood still do I think I would have been hit maybe I mean I don't like to think that far ahead you know what I mean I just I got away and was fine so nothing really happened but I saw a huge flash come out of the gun as I took off out of the corner of my eye that's insane and then also I was uh this is true too I was listening to Coldplay in my headphones <laughs> I forgot that oh that part to the story so, so he's screaming like you know, break yourself, motherfucker! So Riverside. yellow, <laughs> you know, and it's just like yeah. when you try your best <laughs> but you don't succeed. Just screaming. Oh man, wow! There was that. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no song that's good to be shot at, but it, I, I imagine it's kind of relaxing. Now, what? <laughs> I mean, until the, until you get shot at, sure. you're you're in a relaxed mood until until it all goes down. Now, what, like, what was the rest of your night? I mean, I imagine you couldn't go to sleep, right? You were nah, up for yeah. You uh, what happened was my neighbor. We had this gay neighbor. Um, that was so funny. And I got to mention this just because I thought of it and, and with Ange being gone, I got to remember any cool moment I have with Ange. Sure. We had this gay neighbor that lived next door and he was like really gay and, and I, we used to meet Ange because Angelo Bowers used to stay at my house almost every night and the gay guy really didn't like us but when we walked to my place, we had to walk in between my building and his house and you could see into his like television room and one day, it was like probably like two in the morning and we're walking to my house, like, and we're going in between his house and mine, and we could see into his window, and he was watching the movie Cruisin', which <laughs> is the the movie where Al Pacino <laughs> plays a cop that goes undercover in the as gay, a gay sex, guy as a gay guy in the gay sex world, and it's this scene where this, he's in there, and like, there's there's a guy like in like a sex swing in this nightclub being fisted. Holy and like shit. Angie and I just start dying because we've watched that many times, just laughing at it. Because he, he was—I don't know why I told that story, but this made me <laughs> just thinking of Angie just makes me laugh that that Angie was the one that introduced me to the movie Cruising, and then probably five days after I finally saw that scene, we see the gay guy next door watching it. And I yeah, serendipity. It was. It was serendipity. But oh, so. The guy shoots, I run off, and then I walk out maybe like three or four or five minutes later from where I was hiding. And then by that point, the neighbor's outside, and he had called the cops, and there were some other neighbors that came out. And uh, the cops showed up, and then they kind of talked to me for a second, and they found the bullet hole, uh, which was really close to where I was standing. And uh, they were like, well, we'll put an APB or whatever out on the car, but 
I don't, nothing happened after that. Yeah, it and that over. was it. It was That's over. insane. Wow. It was more than enough time for that because there's all these like roads they could go up into the hills and come down like in, yeah, those canyon. Bank, you know what I mean? Yeah, those canyon roads you sure, can get yeah. lost pretty easily, especially if. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it took a little while for the police to get out there. Definitely. All right, so man, covering a lot of ground here. We're, okay, so you're out in Maryland. Mm-hmm. You now, how was uh, how was growing up for old uh, Joshy Myers? What was uh, how would you describe yourself as a kid? Uh, which you still I, are. I, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's weird because like I'm 32 now, and I still feel like I don't feel like I've changed much from when I was really young. I've learned a lot of things, but I'm not a completely different person. I still have that like no filter. I right. say whatever I want. Yeah, no, I mean that's right. what's uh, that's what's great about you as a comedian and as a guy. You're just like you got you got a lot of energy. You got to yeah, you like you say you don't filter yourself out and uh yeah, it's fun, man. And and so as a kid, it was it was a normal childhood. I mean, I had really bad ADD, so I was medicated at an early age and it never really calmed me down. It just made me wilder. Like when every time I cause I started with like I remember being in kindergarten and before they gave me Ritalin, them giving me coffee in the morning and they thought the caffeine from the coffee would settle me, but it just like set me <laughs> off. And I and I and I remember I got in trouble for sexual harassment to a patrol in the bus when I was like really young, and I remember just getting into trouble all the time for just saying. I, I just picture. I mean, you're you're a high energy guy. Like you're you you're one of these guys who has got a motor running. Like right now, you're sitting there, you're working the electronic cigarette. Your mind's always going. You got a lot of energy. I'm just picturing you as a kid with uh, you know with like more energy, and then them like feeding you an espresso <laughs> and be like, all right, this should even things out. And just uh, compounding the uh, the problem of just kind of being you're a guy with the motor. You know, I, you got I, a lot of energy. I do run really fast. Man, that's that's basically how I've lived my life. It's just I've really gone just high speed into making bad decisions. And, and just... <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So you're you're in high school. Yeah. You, I don't get a feeling one way or the other. You're you, not a nerd, not a jock. Sound sound somewhere in between. Is that is fair to describe yourself as? I mean, I've always been like five, you know, five nine ish. You know, maybe a little bit short. I don't think. I think oh yeah, I, I know the growing. five nine. I think I stopped growing like maybe when I got into the middle of high school and and. It was weird. All right, in middle school, I didn't really know myself yet. I was like, I didn't really know who I was. I knew that I was, I was always myself, but you know, I didn't know what group I fit in with. Uh-huh. And so for a while, I was, I was when I first got into it, I was myself, and then and listening to like heavy metal and stuff. And then heavy metal became really uncool. Like you know, Guns N' Roses and Metallica and all those bands, they really fell off for a while. And like hip hop was just starting to pick up, like Snoop Dogg and a tribe called Quest. And yeah, so like I, early '90s was kind of the last run for the hard, the hard. Metal. Yeah, exactly. So I, I became, I became a wigger, man. I became a, <laughs> I became a wigger, and I, and I hung out with black guys, you know, in seventh grade, and then eighth grade, and then right towards the end of eighth grade it started wearing off where i started wearing you know getting back into rock music because that was when like pearl jam and nirvana and alice in chains and all these really cool bands were getting up and i was always into music because my dad was a musician so i've always was playing music along with it and so then i kind of became myself at the beginning of ninth grade and that's when i started like hanging out with i guess like the i don't want to call them the potheads but like the you know like the grunge musician right pothead guys and guys who had bands going yeah and then we all started then i when i got in ninth grade i started doing more music and i started being in bands and i started smoking pot and doing like lsd and mushrooms and and opening your mind up man just yeah exactly well you know like (laughs) getting high eating at wendy's and and then like Seeing like the you know oh, the new, I, I the new remember, nightmares coming out. Let's go get LSD and like go see that new Freddy movie. And like I remember just being a wild kid. One of the highest I was was the one time at Wendy's. I smoked this like really crummy weed, and I just got I got like the super giggles. And we we're at Wendy's, and I remember going into Wendy's and looking at the time. Or no, first I looked at the menu and I was like, oh, the chicken uh, sandwich combo that looks that looks amazing. And it was it was three ninety nine, and then they had a clock right next to the menu, and I was like, "Oh, I only got three fifteen. Like I confused how much money I had <laughs> with like, and it, it made total sense for a long time. And I still remember me and my buddy getting in an argument. I got in this argument where I was dead certain that of the fifty states, DC counted as one of those fifty states. Like for whatever <laughs> reason, it was in my brain that that was right. You know, obviously pre smartphone, pre Google, and we pull up to a toll booth. We I think we're 
driving down in the shore or something, and I go, I go to the toll booth lady. I was like, DC is a state, right? It counts as one of the fifty states. And she was just like, I think she was scared at how enthusiastic I was about it. She's like, Yeah, sure, whatever, buddy. And I was like, See, I was right. And then for like two days, he thought I was right. It was a simpler time. Like you could just you could win arguments off of uh, bravado. It was, oh, it was a sure. different time. For sure. So, okay, you're in high school. You start kind of getting into bands, hanging out, doing music. Do you have a game plan post uh, post high school? Is it just to go to college? Is it just to play music? It sounds like you're kind of just soaking up the arts, looking for an angle. Did you have, like, I want to do this, I want to go to this school? I, I well, for my whole life, there's three things I wanted to do in my life. And one was a musician and, and being a band. And I still have that passion. I mean, I have a band now that we we just do, like, we when I did the Unknown Theater, like, they were, like, the house band, and we just jam, and we have a couple originals, and they're, like, funny rock and roll songs. But, like, real rock and roll, you know what I mean? It's not right. that typical, like, you know... Yeah, this is a song about my ex-girlfriend, you know, you fucking bitch. You know, all right, next song. You know, it's not that shit, like musical comedy. It's real. We'll give this song but called... slightly a- silly, like old 90s. Yeah, you just, yeah, I just, I don't know. I have such a weird opinion on, on some musical comedy. And some of it's, it's really, you know, there's some that's like Tenacious D that is brilliant, where you're like listening to the songs and you're like, wow, this song is really awesome. And then yeah. they're singing about Dio or whatever. Yeah. And then there's others that that just do it all wrong, I think, and it's just you know, like every girl female female musician comic is like, this is how you give a blowjob. You hold <laughs> yes. on the balls and you lick the shaft, and yeah. then you chug it up, but like a salt shake, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I don't like oh, that. <laughs> she's being slutty. You know, it's yeah, she's doing that. So well, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of times the musical instrument or whatever is a crutch instead of like, oh, hey, this is kind of hackney bits and whatever but hey i'm doing it with a guitar or instead of like hey i'm just a guy with these basic little one-liner puns but i got a guitar so it kind of feels like more of an act and there's more something to it sure but yeah i mean there is definitely a niche for kind of good musical comedy Mm -hmm. so you were saying one of your one of your main goals was to be in a band and what were what were the two out of the three that you hadn't hit on i wanted to be i've always wanted to be a musician uh i wanted to be a comic and I wanted to be a filmmaker. And those are the three things that I've... I've, I've so, you, so you kind of had that going on in high school, that this is what I want to do. Music I started, music I started, like I said, when I was really young. I started playing different instruments when I was like four and five. And then I I can play a bunch of instruments. I'm like, I'm decent at most of them. You know what I mean? Like a C at about uh-huh. ten instruments. And like, if you give me something, I'll figure it out. So I knew that was natural. Comedy I always wanted to do since I saw Comic Relief. Because my dad was a big stand-up comedy fan, so he had like records everywhere of like Richard Pryor and Woody Allen records, and and then I remember watching Comic Relief with him, the original one, and seeing Carlin's "My Stuff Is Stuff, Your Stuff Is Shit" bit, and I remember my dad laughing so hard and looking at it and being like, "Wow, that's so cool! Like that's something I'd want to do." And always saying that I was going to do it because I was a funny guy, like I'd crack jokes in school and I had people laughing, so it was always there in the back of my mind. And then making films, I feel it can be go hand in hand with being a comic because I mean it's just it's still entertaining yeah. and it's still storytelling and um, I really wanted to become a filmmaker after I saw A Clockwork Orange and Pulp Fiction on January first, uh, two thousand not two thousand nineteen ninety five. It was New because I, mean, I remember I left a party early and I saw A Clockwork Orange on like encore at like midnight. Yeah, I remember. I, I loved I wa- it, man. I, I watched it. Uh, my buddy got the VHS, I think, at the time, and yeah, it was just like, wow, this is this is something out there. I I had never had any like passion to do films or something. I appreciated. I was like, wow, this is just really different and uh, interesting. But yeah, I would never think like, wow, I could make something like this or do something like that. I guess I was always kind of more, uh, you know, into the comedy and and that kind of stuff, late night talk show stuff. Sure. So now you do. You said you had dropped out of your first college. What was what was the first college you checked out? I went to Temple University. In, oh, okay. In Philadelphia, my dad went there. My mom is from Narstown. All right. Uh, I know you're from the area, so small world. So you, you went to Temple. What was your major there? It wasn't because I I just really didn't do anything. I dropped out after half a semester. Oh, okay. I, I was there for literally a month and a half, and just it wasn't going well. Just wasn't feeling it. You just no, wouldn't go just, to class, or you just. Exactly. You seem distracted with I, other projects. I just, I just didn't go to class. I, I finally started getting women's attention by that point. You know, um, <laughs> you know, I wanted to enjoy myself, and so I, uh, 
I just didn't do anything. And so I got out real fast, and then I went to a junior college. That's usually the progression. You 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 give real college a shot, then you give junior college a little bit, and then yeah. you, what was after? Uh, well, no, I did this. This is what I did. I went to college, and I had an uncle that a great uncle that died, and he left me, my sister, and like five other relatives my age about forty thousand dollars, and I had never had money before. My parents, we had a, we were really lower middle class, so they had a lot of financial problems. Me and my sister finally had some some money we could give them. We gave them age twenty thousand, so they could buy nice. their house back and pay their bills. And then I took the other 20000 and just kind of dicked it around for a little bit. I bought a car. I bought, I bought so many fleeces. Like, I probably spent sixteen dollars to $2,000 on fleeces because oh, um, they were really big at that point. I didn't really know how to dress yet. And none of them I can wear either. They're all larges and extra large. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a medium if lucky, but I'm a definitely a small – um, and just picturing the behind the music, and then came the fleece addiction. It's <laughs> like a, a montage of you trying on fleece after fleece. My buddy said he went. I was we were at Woody's, which is like a, a store at the mall, and he we were at the mall, and then I left him, and then I came back with these two huge trash oh. not trash bags, but like you know they're huge bags uh-huh. filled with fleeces. And he was like, "How'd you just spend?" I was like, "You know, seven hundred bucks." He's like, "On fleeces? Like no pants? I'm like, nah, man." He's like. You really only needed one fleece, maybe <laughs> yeah. two, like a, like you know, right, one. And a Tommy Hilfiger, and then you'd yeah. be fine. But I had a Timberland, I had a <laughs> Ralph Lauren, <laughs> and so what I did was finally I I had a buddy that went to uh, Europe. He was uh, in the the Navy, I think, or the Air Force, and he was telling us about how much sex we'd have if we went to Europe. Because there's not that many Americans there. No, so now, I'm, how old are you here? Are you 21? Or 18 no, 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 still? 18. Okay, okay. And so I have a buddy that sells pot, my friend Joel. And Shout just, out to Joel. I love him to death, man. Joel, my, my blood brothers, man. We, um, we went to Europe. We backed back to Europe for about eight months. That was nice. what we did. So like, And it was, it, wasn't, it was such a blur. It was just drinking and oh seeing like old 18. shit. And, tra- and like being on a train. And then I remember I peed myself a few times. <laughs> I had sex with an aborigine. Like wow. an Australian wow. aborigine woman. Like, now, like wait, describe in, her in physical Europe. features. How, how, how tall are we talking? Well, here's what? a funny story. You guys will appreciate this. All right, so <laughs> sure. we're, we're in Switzerland. Yeah. And it's like snowing out. <laughs> and I remember like there's this bar in the bottom of, our, of the hostel we were staying at. And everybody's drinking, and there's this Australian guy, Jamie, I think that's his name, that was kind of like hanging out with us at the at the bar because we had been. You just start gang. If you're not away for that long, if you find somebody you're cool with, and they're kind of like going to the same place, up with them. you just partner up and you right. just take off, man. And so this drunk Aborigine like woman, she's not like fat, but she's just chunky and she's not attractive. Like you know what I mean? You've seen Crocodile Dundee. Like the Aborigines right. are not. This is, what, this is why women hate us. But yeah, yeah but keep I, going. I hope you don't have any Aborigine female <laughs> listeners. Because that's actually I don't that's want, our primary demo. But keep demo? going, Josh. Keep going. I don't want them to hear that I'm yeah. racist. Over, I'm not racist. <laughs> Aborigine. So I so I'm at the bar and this chick comes over. She's just like, "Hi, mate. How you doing? Like, you want a shot of Red Bull?" And I'm like, "That's English. That's the best I can do. It's not Australian." <laughs> And I'm like, nah, I'm cool. And she's like, you're a cute one there, mate. I'm going to go over here with my friends and we'll be big. And, I, and so I'm, I'm, me, Joel, and Jamie, and I'm like, I think this chick wants to fuck me. And, and my buddy, my, James, my buddy Jamie's like, well, just fuck her. I'm like, dude, nah, man. Like, she, she's ugly. And he looked at me and he goes, you can tell your friends she looks however you want. Like, you don't have to say she was ugly. Like, just go get your dick wet. And I was yeah. like, all right, man. And I just took her back. Here's a funny thing. I took her back to the room and I started having sex with her. And I remember it was not a great experience. I just, I mean, because it was real drunk sex. And I just remember like a You're leg really up, hyping it up. Just sweating. And then I remember like, I think I like. You didn't right, take your friend's advice at all. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm fucking her. And then like, I remember the door suddenly opens up and it's Jamie. And he pulls his pants down. And he's like, it's my turn now. Oh, like, what the hell? And then I left the room and I think he had sex with her. <laughs> Wow, I don't know how it ended, but because I, I kind of got passed out shortly after. But no, that sounds like some crazy slapstick comedy movie. Now that's that's the kind of hijinks you get into when you're 18. You got 20 grand. I don't know what I would do if I just got a random chunk of change like that. But yeah, 18. All right. So now, what happens when you uh, come back from the Europe backpacking trip? I imagine you're you're kind of through the money at this point. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, yeah, I was pretty much through the money. But this is where life gets really interesting because this is where I really discovered drugs which have become a 
have been an issue in my life ever since I was really 19 is when I started doing heavy drugs. Uh, more adult. I want to say adult, not pot. You know what I mean? I'm doing, right. You're doing cocaine. Man ecstasy. drugs. Exactly. And, that was, <laughs> and what I did was I found the rave scene. And I became this like gung ho <laughs> raver. Like I mean, wearing. I feel like clothes. you found a lot of scenes. Over yeah, so your I from Wigger to I, grunge I, guy I, I, to you're, you. Do, you're, you kind of did the whole spectrum. You did the Europe backpacking trip. You're hanging out with the high school burnouts <laughs> now. The times are changing. You're you're just kind of a cultural <laughs> spearhead now. It's raving. The you're drugs trains on Aborigine. <laughs> chip. And when I and when I go with these these new squads, you know, when I become in a new section of life, like I go full force. So I right. mean, I was like a full on raver. I mean, okay. Like, so now throwing, give me now. Like, this sounds like I I've been to a couple raves. I went, you know, I I, I never got into it. The music, the it was just I, I never got into it. But now, like, give me what's your like Monday to Sunday kind of schedule? What was your life like being involved in the raves? Are you are you working a job? Are you yeah. doing any schooling? What well, like give me kind of a Monday to Friday or I mean Monday to Sunday? What's What's it all about? It was uh, – I see so you're 19 years old. You live at your parents' house. You know what I mean? And uh, I started working at this job and uh, called Mozzarella's. It was a restaurant. It was my first serving job that I've ever had out of many. And I had about 30 other restaurants I've worked at in the next seven years. Whoa. Yeah, I, I used to get fired from restaurants constantly. But Mozzarella's, I started working there. And there's a guy there and I, and I just started – I have all the friends that I grew up with. But they were real straight-edge kids. You know, they drink and smoke pot, maybe take LSD every once in a while. But they really weren't into the other drugs. And I took ecstasy for the first time in Europe and I really liked it. So I kind of wanted to just take it again. And he, this kid was going to raise this kid, Todd, that I work with. So he took me along and then he kind of became my buddy. So it was really – I work, you know, three or four days a week, maybe five, you know, at the restaurant, either night and days. And depending on – you know, what night of the week was it? Wednesdays would be this place, The Edge, which was in – it's all in D.C. or Baltimore. Like, The Edge was Wednesday night, and it was in the really bad section of town and just DJs and fucking and drugs and, and women everywhere. And I think that's really what turned me on the most about it was just that there's women everywhere. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? exactly. And, and they're all willing to have sex with you in a sense <laughs> because they're all on ecstasy or ketamine or GHB or whatever. And so I just kind of got wrapped into it. And, and then – it was like Wednesday I'd go here and Thursday I'd go to tracks or to Fever if Fever was going on in Baltimore, which was this huge, huge rave. And then every Friday we'd do Buzz, which was this warehouse party, which is the biggest DJs in the world. Probably 5,000 kids, all from University of Maryland, regular kids and some kids that have fake IDs that are in high school still and just random people just all dancing and, and partying. And at first you like I started going for the drugs and then I started actually digging the music and then I started buying the clothes and then you just and then, <laughs> that's, and then that's, you drink the Kool Aid and it's always the order. It's never yeah, I went there for the music. <laughs> that's never the first and one. And I drank the Kool Aid man. I I was I was such a raver man. Like I had a I had a like a like a raver name, Nietzsche. They called <laughs> oh me Nietzsche. my god, that's hilarious. And, uh, I'd introduce Nietzsche. myself, I'd be like, Hey I'm Nietzsche, this is Star Child <laughs> <laughs> this is Evanescence. You knew, I you knew the raver slang. Oh, dude, there's the raver creed. Uh, oh, please plur. tell me the raver it's creed. It's plur. It's peace, love, unity, respect. Plur. <laughs> it is. Oh it is peace, love, unity, respect. And uh, I and I it was I was deep in it for two years, man. Like probably nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. I mean, I had like my that at the time I had that like George Clooney haircut, but it was like frosted tips. You know what I mean? Like real frosted hair and wearing like the big pants, Jinkos, Jinkos, or kickwares or UFOs, and you know maybe like a, a Temple Owls basketball jersey. I used to wear to a lot of raves. Um, Quincy Wadley's number number twenty five, <laughs> and I'd uh, I just start up a lot of conversations about Temple basketball on the dance floor. Yeah, nobody knew anything. Yeah, they're, about sports, they're really man. good this year. They might make the tourney. Nobody, dude. Nobody. That's what's funny. You know, not, just, a, not a lot of sports talk. At the not rate. a lot. Not at all. I remember there was. I'd be like, hey, because there's no phone, so I'd be like, anybody know the 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 bullet score? And they'd be like, who are the bullets? And I'm like, they're the basketball. All right, never mind. Uh, you, know, you just give up. You're just like, hey, can I have a bump of that cat tranquilizer? Cool, perfect. All right, let's dance what was I talking about? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. So, what what bus are you out of the rave scene? I went to this really bad party at this club called Club Twenty Two on V Street in Washington D.C., right next to Howard University, in the Nine Thirty Club. Which Nine Thirty Club was the first job I ever had. It was this really cool rock club in D.C. Um, and 
So we go to this party and it was just overcrowded and, and you know, I didn't find a girl there and a lot of the DJs were supposed to be there didn't show up and I remember just I had such a horrible time. It got shut down early. And me and my buddy Luis and Aaron, we just left and then we went back to my buddy's house and we just snorted ecstasy the rest of the night. But I remember I was so disgusted with the party. I was like they kept talking about it and I was like, You know, that's it, man and I was like, I'm fuck this scene, dude. I'm not dressing like this, I'm not doing this. And also you start seeing people you know, their lives fall apart because they're drug addicts and, you know, they're made up on Friday night. They're these really cool people in the club scene, but in their regular life, they're losers. You know what I mean? Right. I hung out with some of these people and you see how shady they are. And so I kind of just was like, all right, I'm not going to stop going to parties, but I'm going to stop being so involved, you know, not wear the clothes and dress like, you know, a normal person that, you know, if I wear those clothes there, I can wear them. Right and regular people's. It's life, not a. You know it's not I mean? a lifestyle. Maybe it's just hanging out. Exactly. It's something you do on the weekends. Exactly. It's not your kind of be all end all. Not at all. Okay, so now where does uh, uh, where does where does kind of comedy fit in? When does when does comedy kick in? So you're right. you're like 21, still just kind of living at home, working a working serving jobs, just kind of uh, living. Well, I right. Con- yeah, we pretty much. I mean, I, I I started going back to school after that moment. I remember I was like, when I got out of that party, I signed up for class. I think the next day, I was just like, I'm going to get my life back. And that happened a few times, you know. I've had to get my life back a few times. <laughs> right. I've had to have those moments where it's, it's like, co- all right, I need to. I think I need to do my taxes. I haven't done them in a few years. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a couple I, times when the track, the trains come off the track. But definitely, you know, that's what you got when you got a you got a high motor, man. Exactly. So I I I, I go back to junior school, and then I went to Towson University. And by this point, I'm living in Baltimore, and so I go to Towson University. And then I got in a band and I dropped out of the band. A lot of stuff happened. Like there was like a, I was in a band called LED and we we actually really were good and we played a lot of shows. But we had a guitarist that was a that was like a junkie and a, he just kind of we couldn't keep the band together. And oh. that that was like I really I dropped out of school for it. This is by the time I'm like 24, I dropped out of school. I'm like I'm in this band. Everything's going great. And then that happens. And then I kind of just like all right, I'm going to go back to school and, and go to film school and. So I just started studying film. I switched my major from philosophy to film, and then I, I studied film. I graduate. When I'm like 26, I got a job, and that summer in between, this is where comedy starts. Because I always wanted to do it, never did it. But the summer in between my graduation and my first job, I'm 26 years old, and I'm doing cocaine with this guy one night, like all night long, and we're partying, and it's probably like, I'm making him laugh, and I'm making everybody else laugh at the bar, and people are saying, you should be a comic, and I'm like, yeah, you know, one day, and I go home, and I remember, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna try it, and so I went online on my parents' computer upstairs, and I looked to see where the next... <laughs> You're coked out of your mind. What are you doing, Jess? Don't worry, I'm starting a new career. Back away, Mom. I gave you that 20 grand. All right, we're cool. We're cool. Just be cool. I'm not wearing the Raven gear anymore. I got life back together. All right, relax. Basically, that's like, cause I think I think it was before they were at the breakfast nook, to be honest with you. It's like 3.30 in the morning, dial-up modem, like... Right. But you, got, you really have it down. That, um... So I, I look, I find an open mic, uh, and it's on a Thursday, and I think it was like it was Sunday morning at that point. So I was like, all right, I'll go this Thursday. And then I went to my first open mic at a place called Wise Acres. And um, I, uh, I remember I got there, and the guy the list was full, and I was like, please, I just want to go off for the first time. Because you know that first time you want to go? Yeah. Like you really just want to get it done with. You're just so right. nervous, and you got whatever your material is written. And I had no real material at the time. You just want to break the seal. I just want to break the seal, exactly. And and so the guy let me go up, and I actually didn't do that bad. Like, it wasn't horrible, per se, but I had no point of reference to compare to. So in my mind, I still remember the first time doing stand-up wasn't even that bad. It was – it was the jokes weren't very good, but, like, I had you no idea. got a couple what, laughs. I, got, yeah, that's I would what, call them laughs. I'd call them, like, smile, smile looks, you know, or maybe oh. a couple <laughs> of chuckles. But it wasn't – like, I wouldn't – like when you when you've been doing comedy because even when you first really start getting into comedies the open mics you're like man I got to laugh on that but then until you get to a club and you see what the laugh is like now what a real laugh you know when people are like you know, oh hearty chortle oh, yeah. exactly like you know that some, shit back some then man echo some reverberations dude that first year of comedy was just me thinking I'm like dude I'm killing and then you're like <laughs> no you you just suck dude like you're yeah, that's horrible what I, I, that's what I always say it's not that you really get better it's just more like your perspective change is of like what being 
good is or like having a good set like the bar just constantly raises so it's like it's kind of a no it's in like any sort of drug you're just your tolerance builds up so like what you feel like is killing is Mm -hmm. always kind of the bar is raised you're always kind of chasing after the next thing where when you first start you feel like you're doing really well but then in hindsight like you said it's like oh it's not that sure it's not that good so now what what um when did you finally uh, break out here to L.A.? When was the when was the big transition? Uh, and probably I think it was right. I keep forgetting this. It'll be it'll be year five that I moved out here in August first. August first is like the D day when I moved out. I think I moved out August first, two thousand seven. Would that be five years? Yeah, that'd be five yeah, years. So I moved in August first, two thousand seven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wow, it just sounds weird really hearing it being 2007 because that seems like so long ago, actually. Yeah, um, that's when I moved out here. I moved out here. I worked for a year, saved up money. I got my third DUI right before I moved out here in Maryland. And so by the point when I moved out here, I was sober. And and then I moved out here and I got a job. My cousin lives out here, so he let me stay on his couch. And then So wait, no, sorry. I, like how do you uh, – the third DUI, what did uh, – were they all just kind of like you were just – just getting messed up and and then just got popped. Like, how do you get the third one? Were you just kind of in a mode of just like not giving a crap? Well, yeah, not giving a crap. Yes, there's been many moments in my life where I have these. I just sometimes I just get you get caught up. All right, first DUI happened because I was too young. I was 19 years old and I didn't know how to drive or drink yet, really. And and I crashed my car coming back from a party. Um, the second one happened when I was living in Baltimore. Uh, at this point, going to college. And I had a taillight out, and it really wasn't that drunk, and they just got me because of the taillight. Oh, and yeah, so they had a reason that. to pull you over. And a reason to pull me over, and I blew a .08. And the third one, wow. in between, when I got out of college, see, when I was going to, living in Baltimore, um, I just, it, it's hard to explain, but there was nothing to do in Baltimore besides drink and do coke and have sex and go to bars and strip yep. clubs and shit like that. And I'm going to college, so. Sounds like Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's the same goddamn city, man. It's just a lot of drinkers. And so I just drank and did coke because if I drank, I needed to do coke because so I you just. could stay up and keep drinking. Exactly. And I could be talkative and, and not be an idiot because when I get really drunk, I become an idiot. So. I was when I graduated college. I went to London for a few months, and then when I came back, I just was at the point of my drinking and my drug use, and it just got out of hand. And so I was driving home from my job one night, hammered, and I got pulled over right in front of my mom's house. Oh, geez. at like three in the morning, because like she started, she tried to pull me over earlier, but like I was like, I'm so close to the house, <laughs> You're just like, I'm just gonna drive uh, to it, and I'm just gonna park and get out of the car and pretend like nothing happened. Exactly, I'm gonna walk into my house, and they're just gonna let me go, and like she'll <laughs> she'll just go away. That's what I thought. I was like, she's just gonna go away, and I was like, and I could just tell her that the Christmas lights, because in December there's Christmas lights everywhere. I'd be like, I didn't see your lights. Like, the Christmas lights are everywhere. <laughs> And so a great I, excuse. I got the thing, but she got me, man. She re- literally jumped out of the car and just started choking me. And, and luckily, my mom didn't wake up and she rested. Wait, she me. started choking you? Well, she stopped. I mean, you know, like, like physically, physically tackled you, tried to bring me down because I, I was walking right to my door. And she was a smaller girl, so she really had to like jump on my back oh and kind of bring me down. Oh, and so, intense. but in, but you know what? Honestly, like what she did was one of the smartest things ever because I I, I never learned how to drive drunk. You know, in the sense of I was going to keep doing it. Right, you have to get some. Sometimes you have to get in trouble to to realize you've done something wrong, and so it's a powerful message. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, if you learn anything, um, <laughs> Samoan, not Samoan women, Aborigine women are ugly, and and just learn how to drink and drive. I, uh, but I got my third one, and then I got sober. You know, I started realizing I can't drink, and yeah. then and then I got out here, and I immediately started drinking and doing cocaine. <laughs> Literally, the night that I got here, I started drinking and doing cocaine with my cousin and his buddies. And uh, I started working for the Kardashian show. I was a PA for Keeping Up with the Kardashians for yes. two seasons. Oh, was, yes. That's great. I worked for six <laughs> months. I spent every day with the Jenners and, and the Kardashian family. Okay. So now what's your take on them as a family? And I know everyone likes to shit on them. I don't know. You worked with them day in, day out. What's- they're, they're not bad people. Uh, Chris kind of is. She's kind of a cunt. Um, Bruce is, is really racist and very full of himself. Huh. Um, Racist against. He's just. We, I remember that we were we were working on one of the days uh, when they were voting. They were voting for like a primary or something like that. And he he sat down his daughters and started exp- the youngest ones, Kylie and Kendall, and he started explaining to them about you know like why you need to vote Republican because like the liberals care about helping the poor and how the poor like just 
they're just inner city people that don't get educations and he like really says all this like real evil stuff and you're just Whoa. like listening and you're like you were an American hero. Like, you're <laughs> That's ruining everything, Captain America, you know. I'm throwing away my Wheaties box, exactly. Mr. Jenner. It's like, your face looks weird now, and now your views are all fucked up, man. You got a Plastic surgery gets in your brain, he's man. He's got a weird face, man. But so he's, they're, they're not that bad as, as no. you would think? Now, uh, Chloe. I mean, I think people just hate him because they're super successful and they don't do anything. And that's going to happen. Hey, because, God, uh, it happens to someone. That happens to dude. Anytime you're successful for no reason or so quickly, people are always shit on you you know what i mean right. it's gonna happen and, you're gonna you know, have haters but you know people are more vocal because they're out on television and they're they're armenian and they're different and you whatever but chloe to be honest with you is the one that probably gets shit on the most about her looks and she's the coolest fucking chick man she drank with us she partied with us because i traveled all over the world with them for the second season not all over i say i say all over i went to colorado and <laughs> new orleans I mean, and mexico like world. i was all over the world did you go to afghanistan no we never went there we went to do you hear what i said we went to we, we were, denver we were, and we were in Vail, all right <laughs> we went to breckenridge that's, that's if there's any place that sums up world travel it's breckenridge colorado um <laughs> I worked on that, and uh, and that was where I um, I realized it was like, man, I'm just I'm wasting time out here. You know, I came out here to be in front of the camera, not behind it. Right. And it was a job, so it really kind of helped. And it was also a really cool way to be introduced to Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Because I didn't know who Kim Kardashian was before. I never knew about the sex tape, but. She wasn't that big yet, you know what I mean. She wasn't where she is now, where it's like on every magazine, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So right. yeah, I so, mean that first season was like okay, Paris Hilton's friends got a show, but it didn't. It took a couple seasons, I think, to really blow up. And I worked on that, and my drug use kind of got out of hand on the first season, and then on the second season, I promised them I wouldn't be drinking anymore. I kind of stopped drinking, <laughs> and, I, and that was when I found painkillers. Really found painkillers, and. I was like, I'm not drinking anymore, and can you hire me back? And they're like, yeah, we'll hire you back for the second season. And then on the fifth day, we go to Cabo San Lucas uh, to shoot at something at this resort with the girls, and um, I got busted with cocaine. Um, in Mexico? In Mexico. Wow. Uh, yeah. Doing it with one of the other cast, not cast, members, one of the crew members. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Jenner? You know, I, I wish, dude. No, it's just the lighting guy, because it's always the grips and the assistant cameras are always like cokeheads. <laughs> and I got busted at Cabo Wabo. Uh, no, you got busted by police? Or? We, well, all right, we bought all this Coke and we went to. Um, this is a funny story. We, I was sober right before we get on the plane. And then we're on the plane, and like my whole intentions were just to not do anything. I was like, I'm not going to do any drugs, I'm not going to drink. And then the sound guy or the lighting guy is sitting next to me, and he goes, Just let you know, Josh, there's cocaine everywhere in Cabo San Lucas. And I immediately am like, you know, like, fuck, yeah, like, let's do it. You know, like, I turn into this, like, gold prospector, like, yeah, like, let's gold up in them hills. Yeah, I just become, like, so excited. And we struck white gold. Oh, my God. And we get off the plane, and then we get to the resort, and literally, I go out onto the beach to look out at the water, and this Mexican guy comes up, and he and he's like, you know, do you want to buy a necklace? And I'm like, no, I don't want to buy a necklace. And he's like, do you want to buy some cocaine? And I'm like, of course I do. And so I buy a bunch of Coke, and then they buy some Coke, and we just start doing it. And, and then we leave the resort later that night. We run out of Coke. We get more. And then we, we are in the bathroom trading the bag back and forth. Like one guy will go to the toilet and do some bumps, and he'll come out and hand it to me. And then when I got the bag, I'm sitting on the toilet. And next thing you know, this fucking like two-foot Mexican kid – or like security guard comes flying <laughs> over the fucking stall doors. What? what? And he, I mean, literally like flying like a lucha libre, or whatever. Just like ah, and like he jumps on me, and the bag drops into the toilet. Thank God. Um, but I got coke all over my face, and they pull me out, and the guy's like you know, right into the hands of a cop, and the cops like you know cocaine, cocaine, or whatever. Cocaine. And I'm like, nah, man, I don't, I don't, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> He's like, look at your nose. I'm like, nah, man, that's salt from the margarita, dude. I was like, there's no way. That's not. I'm doing coke. It's salt from the put a lot of salt on the margaritas. And the guy, and then they, we had to pay the cop to let us go, let me go. Uh, but we got a hundred bucks. That was it. I didn't get that much trouble. But so, then, but then wait, the production heard about it and oh, they let yeah. you go because um, well, they heard the 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 production manager heard about it. He's a good friend of mine. This guy Javier, like he he heard about it and. Um, but it, my, my dumbass the next day, because I talked to the production coordinator who's there at the point, because the production manager isn't there, but the production coordinator is. And I say to him, like, please, Nick, don't tell Javier, man. He'll fire me, blah, blah, blah. He goes, all right, just, just don't fuck up the rest of the trip. I'm like, I won't. Well, of course, 
he tells Javier, but I didn't I didn't think he was going to. So when I go to pick him up from the airport, because they're showing up the next day, and I got to pick Javier up and the girls, I show up at the airport coked up. I got more coke that morning. <laughs> oh, my God. And I show coked up, and I've got, like, like the real crusty, dry mouth, oh. and I'm all, like, sketched out, picking him up. And, like, he yeah. knew right away. And so later that night, he confronted me, and he goes, Josh, I'm going to let you know right now. From everything that happened, I can't keep you on when we get back to the states i'm gonna have to let you go just finish this shoot good and you know maybe we'll talk but right now it's not looking good just 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 be strong until you can get out of here and you'll be okay and so oh, that's gotta be a bummer it, it, it was because i was like all right well i'm a dead man walking and so the next day i have to drop the kardashian sisters off at the airport in cabo san lucas and i drive up to the i love car. how you're the driver by the way well because i was the, I, there was it was only me and this other pa and she was well, a chick, and she wasn't very she wasn't a good driver you know this right. one chick was really not a good driver She'd already been in one accident. Um, so the next day, thinking I'm going to get fired as soon as I get home, I'm driving the girls to the airport. And when I get to the airport, um, I get out of the car and this other lady in a van sideswipes me and runs over my foot and ankle. And so she like tears all these like ligaments in my ankle. Oh, I have to go God. to the hospital. It's this huge thing in Cabo San Lucas. And because that happened, I never got fired. Like, that was, like, kind of a sense what saved my job. And they couldn't fire me for the rest of the show, even though I fucked up a bunch of times. Like, I was just, wow. I turned in, because then I got hooked on painkillers. And then it was just like, <laughs> I was like me, just the rest of the next, sec the second season was just me. Like, I don't know, it was just a blur, man, because I was so hopped up on pain pills, just driving people around Shit. and fucking getting food. For I was terrible. Sounds like a blast. But now, yeah, a lot of fun, but now, <laughs> I mean, how are how are things now? How are you doing now? What drug wise or, or just in life? Just life wise, how are you doing now? Right now is is one of the best times of my life, and I know that sounds weird considering what's happened in the last. Well, yeah, days. I mean, you you talked about uh, Ange. I mean, do you what you want to talk about? I'll talk about it a little bit if you want. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, I, I've talked about it briefly on the show, just saying that you know we lost uh, Angelo Bowers, a great comedian, super funny guy. I mean. You know, I was friends with him. I, I mean, it seemed like everyone in the <clears throat> comedy community was, you know, really good friends with the guy. And, and it seems like almost a cliche because when someone passes away, especially young, everyone's like, oh, my God, he was such a good guy. But it was really true about him. That's what oh, yeah. I felt. And, well, you know, Ange to me was one of the best people I ever met in my life. He was my best friend. I mean, he was the first person. I met him. At an open mic on my second time, not second time when I, because I, 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 I immediately I went to the comedy store. I tried to get a job. They told me to come back because they want to see me perform. I showed up on a Sunday. I performed, uh, and then I dedicated myself to comedy because I figured out this is how you're going to be in the comedy scene. You just jump ahead first. And I met Ange the next. That was on a Sunday, so on Tuesday of the next week, I met Angelo at the Improv, and we immediately hit it off. And he was like my my trudger, you know. We we hit every spot together. We called each other every day. So he really is what got me had to be so strong into doing comedy. I know that I loved it, and I know I would have done it anyway. But it was like he was my partner, and so we basically hung out every single day up until. The accident, in a sense. I mean, if I didn't talk to him, if I didn't see him, I talked to him on the phone. Right. Um, you guys were involved in the car accident. You got hit. Fortunately, he passed away. Yeah. Um, it was, it's just been tough. You know, you lose because I, I lost my girlfriend prior to that, which in retrospect is nothing. You know what I mean? But I was dealing with that. Right. The whole time I was like, when Ange, when I get back from that from the break and I see Ange, everything's going to be fine. And then the minute I see him, we get in the accident and then he's gone. So it was, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, oh, how do yeah. you deal with losing your best friend? I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. And the only solution that I had was just to do a lot of painkillers because I was in pain from the accident. It's not like I was just taking them blindly. I mean, I actually, you know, I broke my arm. I hurt my neck. I hurt my back. I fractured my skull. I lost my hearing. Like all this stuff happened. And it, the doctors are like, well, here, we're going to give you pain pills. And knowing that that's the one thing I've ever had a problem with, I just take them because I didn't want to feel anything. So really for the last three months, I mean, I've been completely out of it. I mean, yeah. I finally just got, got off of them and I'm on day 10 now and I'm so happy with myself because it's been hard. You know, I'm – you know, it was like for the last three months, man – I was. I didn't want to leave my apartment any day. Like I, 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 the only time I left is when I had to do shows, or if I was like, you know, maybe going to do something or going to buy drugs. 
Um, I just I hid from the world. Like people would invite me to go hang out because they knew I was sad and they wanted to do go hiking or go to a movie, and I kept saying no. And then like I I like wake up in the morning and I'd smoke a cigarette by barely peeking out my window and just like never trying to leave my house. And it's like you just realize like you're becoming a junkie and just like everything's starting to close in on you and you just like you know what are you doing? Like you can't. I haven't you dealt with live, anything. Man. I, you have to live. Like it's like you don't think about how bad your life has been in the last three months. Think about how much better it's going to be because there's so much life left. You know, yeah. I lived for a reason. It's just and just all these things. I talked to my mom and different comics, and people said like things like, "If Ange knew you were so deep into drugs right now and retreating from society, do you know what I mean? Like just." Pushing right. everybody away, he'd be so upset at me. So I had to make that decision. I tried to make it the beginning of November, uh, not November, the beginning of March, but it just didn't happen. It was impossible. I wasn't ready to get off the pain pills. And also, when I tried to get off, I got completely dope sick. I mean, like train spotting style, like your stomach hurts, your legs hurt, your head hurts. Just horrible. And so it, it, I had to just suck it up and just say, all right, you know, it's time to get off, be a man. And so it sucked for like a week. I was, I was dope sick. It was the worst experience of my life. But, Damn. but now I, I'm a lot better. I'm feeling, know. feeling like you got it. I mean, cause uh, you know, I've seen you perform and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, dude, you're, uh, you've been killing it on stage. I mean, but you know, more importantly, I think it's gotta, it's gotta be cathartic for you. And you're talking about how, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it makes you realize like, Hey man, you know, opportunities, you know, they aren't here all the time. And, uh, you know, you, you had that sense of uh, taking advantage of it and living, you know, not only for you, but also the idea of like, hey, you know, Andrew's really important to you. And, you know, he didn't get as many opportunities and you got some, you know, now you have more and you're, you know, I think it's important to cash in on him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is, it is, Sean, it's, it's very, it is very helpful because I got out of the hospital on a Thursday and then I went up and did 11 shows in the three the three or four days that followed. I mean, the store put me up in every room, the improv put me up, every club put me up and it was this beautiful thing because f- for the 5 to 15 minutes or 20 minutes that I was on stage, I wasn't thinking about the accident. I was just living in the moment and enjoying myself. Um, so it was very helpful, but... At the same time, it just, I need, and I probably should have done this. I probably should have walked away for a little bit. I probably should have gone back to Maryland um, and just, you know, decompressed. Yeah. You know, I just gotten back. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you said, it's not like there's, it's not like breaking up with a girlfriend or something where it's like, okay, I've been through this before, you know, oh, my buddy's been through this, here's his advice. You know, it's not as clear cut of like oh wait it what's a good way to handle this there is no good way it had to go down the way it went down because that's the only way that you for me i I had to fall into a drug abyss because if it didn't happen then it would have happened later you know it's almost like i said it's like i had to get a third dui to realize i can't drink and drive or i can't drink you know what i mean yeah well uh, yeah i mean that's what i uh you know I, i that's what i noticed about you got that high motor and you know it could be when you're motoring high for positive things it can it can be awesome and it can you know get you to grow a lot as a performer and on stage like but when you're when you're digging a, a hole for yourself you're also you're also like digging super fast you know what i mean oh yeah but um i don't know man it's good to see you i'm glad to see you're healthy and uh you know let's 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 uh, turn the corner here man get it you know it's, it's gonna be <laughs> no listen it's i mean it's even though this all this bad shit happened i'm not saying i have a bad life just some something horrible happened we all handle things differently you know and i uh like i said it, it's just it had to like i said it had to go down this way man if this was the way it was gonna happen i was gonna go back on drugs anyway if i didn't hurt myself if i just would have if he just if I would have been fine in the accident and he would have been fine, you know, he would have died, but I would have been 100% fine not even had to go to the hospital, I'd still probably start using drugs again. Yeah. Right. But it was just a little bit harder this time because I actually <laughs> You actually just, were in physical pain. I was pain actually and- in pain and um you know, you got I got a lot of good friends around me. I mean, like you, Laquasto and Gerard and some really great people out there and instead of retreating and just being by myself I've started to say yes more often when people want to hang out and and I think that really has helped me and I mean even in 10 days I just people have seen a difference in in what I'm my you know my persona off stage and 
Because on stage, it's been, it's been. I'm not gonna say it's been easy, but it's like, it's like just you feel so fucking free, man. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be your easiest part of your day, right? Oh, it's there's nothing that I enjoy more than going up at shows that normally a long time ago I used to be like. I mean, I just started getting into the Laugh Factory and like. I've never been so comfortable on stage. It's just now since the accident. It's just this beautiful fucking thing where, like, I go up there. I'm 100% free. I feel really close to Ange. And I just don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like You've what... You've been through the worst stuff. So being on stage, like, being afraid of that seems silly. It's just yeah. like going on a roller coaster instead of, like, holding on for dear life. Just realizing you're safe and putting your arms out and just being like, fuck it. You know yeah. what I mean? Just enjoy Cut the loose, coaster. man. Live in the moment. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, and, and, and so far in just, just the 10 days, it's gotten a lot better. I, I got back in the program. I, I've been, you know, talking to people more often and I'm out of the house extremely early. Like I wake up around 11 or, or noon, which for me is early. <laughs> and then I, and then I, but then I go out. Only a comic would praise himself. Like, look, I'm hitting the, my nose is to the grindstone, not doing any blow. My nose is to the actual grindstone, 11 a.m. sharp. 11. 11, 11 noonish. Well, I'm noon. out and about. <laughs> I'm out, man, early, and I'm doing shit. I get breakfast, I go to a movie, I hang out with people. Yeah. I'm working on a few things again. I got some really cool things coming up. Yeah, um, dude. Yeah, I mean, lose yourself in the work. That's It's that's productive and, uh, you know, get your head in the right place. And, uh, yeah, Josh, appreciate you coming out, man. Logan, you want to uh, wrap things up with a haiku? Let's do it. All right. Bar Mitzah. Addict. <laughs> I said bar mitzvah. Aborigine bang train. Prius gang shooting. <laughs> Come a long way in this episode. <laughs> I was wondering what you were writing down over there. You were taking notes for the it final was for a little, little yep. piece of uh, poetry wrapping up the That's podcast. Beautiful. I got a lot of uh, contingency poems too <laughs> yeah a lot of backup poems depending on how the third act ends you hear another one put the music back <laughs> Logan, it was gonna be it was gonna All be right. instead of set of bar mitzvah oh, raver we'll give you another one logan bonus uh here you go and now words by logan comedy addict <laughs> bar mitzvah raver or is that what i said no no bar, bar mitzvah yeah, dj yeah. whatever <laughs> and yeah I didn't have a seven one. <laughs> Addicted to comedy or Aborigine Bang Train. You could have thrown Aborigine at the end. I wrote bang down train. Clockwork Orange, Rave Nietzsche. Yeah, you had so much interesting shit. I didn't know what. <laughs> I couldn't Thank think of it all. Thank you very much. I'm glad. All right, well, my, uh, my life is. Uh, hey, dude. It it's an open book. I appreciate your honesty and, uh, you know, just uh, wish the best for you and uh, keep on going out there on stage and killing it, man. Where can. Thank uh, you. Do you want to throw out your Twitter or any? You got any uh, plugs online? Shows um, coming up? I've got uh, my Twitter is at Josh Adam Myers. Uh, just the full name, last name spelled M E Y E R S. Uh, I got some cool stuff coming up. I got I got a bunch of these indie movies that I'm starting to do. Um, you know, which will be fun. But right now, coming up, I mean, if you want to see me, most weekends I'm at the Downtown Comedy Club on uh, Fifth Street in Downtown L.A. Uh, you can see me at the Comedy Store next week. I'm at the Laugh Factory. Um, just go on my Twitter. I put a lot of stuff up there. Yep. Uh, but I want one thing I want everybody to do. Not to sure. interrupt. Is go to angelosjokes.com. Uh, it's a way to uh, to find out about how great Angelo Bowers was. If you don't know his comedy, uh, somebody posts uh, one of his jokes every day. Uh, brilliant comments. So go to angelos at angelosjokes. A n g e l o s J-O-K-E-S, Angelo's Jokes uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check Josh out and uh, Angelo's Jokes, of course. Uh, Once again, thank you, Josh, for coming on the program. We do it live here every week on ShantiGreen.com. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also visit thecomedygaragemovie.com and thecomedygarage.org. What do you see in her walk by in the